everyone. So excited to be here today to introduce you to Allie. This is episode 21 of Outside the Studio. Um, Allie is somebody who's near and dear to my heart, as you will soon see, and I'm so excited for you to get to know her a little bit more. She's an abstract artist. She's a teacher of yoga nidra, which we'll go into detail about. And most of you have heard me talk about it before, but we go into a uh, little bit more detail about what it is and, and Ali's experience with it and how she teaches. Um, she also teaches yoga, asana, and meditation. She was born and raised in New York. Um, so you get to hear her sweet little accent, her, her East Coast accent, which I love listening to. And she came here to the Pacific Northwest um, because it vibed more with her um, desire to be in a more sanguine environment. <laughs> Not that New York isn't fun and amazing, but um, yeah. So what else? Ali, she found yoga in college. She, you know, like most of us, we find yoga, I think, because of the physical aspect of it. You know, it's what draws us in first. It's the enticing uh, looking and feeling better in the body. And then soon, just like Ali, we discover that there's so much more to yoga. We start to peel back the layers of, um, at, in Ali's words, our own understanding and get curious and discover what lies below the surface. So she's really passionate about tuning into that internal landscape for um, answers and um, validation. So now she gets to marry these two loves of hers, art and um, reconnecting to the self through yoga and to deepen, to help people deepen their awareness and navigate healing practices through yoga, through nidra, and through the creative, the creative works of, of artistry. Um, and so three takeaways from this episode that I found were pretty cool. Uh, and maybe you'll come up with your own for me were this idea of accessing pure rest and discovering your heart's deepest desires through yoga nidra. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, this really interesting intersection between memory experience, having um, chronic migraines and the creation of art. So Ali will go into detail on, on those three things and how they all kind of blend together. And then finally learning which is always such an inspiration to me, learning what words of wisdom people live by. Ellie will share hers. And then um, what she's reading to stay inspired. So artists, uh, not artists, authors that she looks to, to, um, to create some sort of sense of, of wisdom and, and turning inward. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Allie. <laughs> what I will say is, here's what I know about you: fill in the gaps and add color where you want to. Um, you're an amazing artist. If you were watching this on YouTube, we get to see this beautiful artwork in the background, um, which I want you to talk about in a minute. I also, I also have one of her pieces in my home, which I love. Um, and you are a yogi. You are a student, you are a teacher of asana, of nidra, and many other things that I'm sure I'm missing. 
we have similar teachers. Our teachers are like from the same yogic tree that kind of branched off into their own schools of yoga. Yeah. So Richard Freeman, I believe, is... Yes, uh, my teacher, Michelle Lowe's yes. teacher as well. Yeah. Yes. And that's kind of my teacher's teacher is Rob Stryker. So they came from the same basic, like, parent yes. yogi and then branched off into their own schools. Mm-hmm. Um, you recently bought... I'm So I'm sitting in Ali's basement. It is... I'm not kidding, you guys. The most beautiful home in Portland. And it's across the street from a park. Yeah. Like, when does how does it even happen? I don't know. I looked for a house in Portland uh, about six years ago, and there was nothing. You know, and this is six years ago when things were still affordable in Portland. Yeah. It, COVID. Beginning of the pandemic, we were like we were living. My fiance and I were living in a very very small, which we've been to. Yes small apartment we were like on top of each other there was no room for anything and we were like okay I guess we should start looking for a house and then we were kind of hunting kind of not it was like kind of this wavy thing and then we started putting in offers everything got declined like everything was just like no 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 so we raised our budget a little bit even though we didn't really want to but then we found this house um and it was right across the street from the park so it was perfect because it was nature but also a home and a yard for the first time ever I'm from New York, so I've just been living in very, very small apartments. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time I've actually had a room to teach in, a room to practice in, a separate space to make art in. Um, so, you know, we kind of just slid in at the right time where uh, prices just dropped a lot at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. So, yeah, we've been in this house since the end of May. So it feels nice. Wow. <laughs> so basically wait until the next pandemic like yeah. right before the next pandemic yeah. happens, wait until then to buy your house. And then you're good. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about mm. so you have a style of art that to me when I look at it, and I know nothing about the art world, but to me when I look at it, I think abstract magical realism. And mm. like you could interpret this in a whole different um like way, but I see like watercolors, but I also see defined lines, and it is magical and beautiful. And I just want to dive in and swim around. In yeah, that. me too. <laughs> so that's interesting because so I started out with photography. Mm-hmm. I went to school for photography, graduated in twenty fourteen, but I always focused on abstract work. I've always been interested in the non representational, so that you can kind of dive in and explore your own meaning. Mm-hmm. Which is if I had to go back to that one sentence of defining myself, which I, I nailed down for you. Oh, oh let's, I see, hear it. let's see. Yes. Oh, I can get through it. Okay. So <laughs> I'm endlessly exploring self-study through the practices of yoga, art, meditation, nidra, all the things. So it's like this ongoing process through creation. Oh, that's good. Thanks. try defining who you are in one sentence. It's really hard. It's really hard. I was telling her, I was like, you know, you asked me that and I I thought about it for like five days. Like I, I was like, who am I? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And then you go into an existential crisis. Just going to say that. I'm like, I was having existential anxiety about my life. And I was like, I don't know who I am. I thought of a lot of different things. Exactly. Right? It's it so hard. I got that question from, uh, I was, it was part of a workshop 
with Anne Klein, Peace and Peace and Time with Panda. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that was a question she asked me. I was like, yeah. Yeah, on and for like three minutes about who it was. So, yeah, well done. Thank you. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I create um, in camera when I'm using photography. I create these meditative color fields where they kind of just look like color field paintings, like Mark Rothko or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes I do more mixed media. And then over the past few years, I started adding into painting doing more like alcohol ink or acrylic, but of course still being my abstract self. So sometimes it turns out that it creates more of a realistic vibe to it, but it's not really intentional. Mm-hmm. So it's always just like allowing people to see what they see based on their own unique lens. I love that. Yeah. And I wonder, yeah. do you ever have to interpret your art? Like if, if you had a show... And you had to name it and explain. Mm. Do people ask you, like, well, what are you feeling? What are you trying to represent here? Do you have to think through that? Do you yeah, have to that? that's a good question. I typically, and of course, I feel like, and I don't know if it's intentional or not, I try to keep it as open as possible. Mm-hmm. So I like to talk about my process. And I like to, because for me, it's about that internal landscape, both for myself as the artist and for the viewer. So when I'm writing an artist statement, I typically don't go into the works themselves individually unless like I'm at a show pre-pandemic and somebody asks a question um, but I typically just talk about my intention behind creating the work mm-hmm. itself so yeah. yeah and then do you name them how would you name that yeah so this one in particular um, is a self-portrait which again like I didn't really know it was a self-portrait so I have a show up in Portland it's in a cafe it's been up there for a while um, groundwork in North Northwest Portland. Um, oh, oh, I'm yeah. stopping right there. That's like at the foot of Forest Park. Yeah, totally yeah. So, so I have a, like huge canvases in there, and uh, one of them sold. So I think there's only three in there now. But I, <laughs> but I, I like did this one, and I hated it. I was like, uh, I know, <laughs> I didn't like it. I was like, this doesn't go. I don't know. So then I just kept it. I was like, oh, I'll probably like gesso over it and start again. Like I'll just do something else. And then I kept living with it. Like I think you should all, like, always live with your artwork. Um, so I just started living with it. And I was like really looking at it one day. And I was like, this is me. I was like, this is me. I see like a bird who's kind of like guarded, but also like exploding with color, which for me, it's always like... Um, I'm, it's easier to talk about feelings through color and through space and through art. It always has been for me instead of through my voice, which mm-hmm. I'm working through like another process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just felt, I was like, yeah, she's like looking over her shoulder, kind of like I'm ready to come out, but not really. So over this like explosion of color. So I felt like it represented me in a really special way. So I just decided to hang it up in my space and live with it. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting because what I look at it, and I will definitely take a picture of this. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay with the artist. Yeah, I'll share it in show notes, but I see a face, like a profile of face, kind of emerging from this cloud of color in the upper, I guess it would be right-hand corner. Yeah. Here I see flowers, so it's like a whole universe mm. of this woman is emerging from yeah so I love that you keep them interpreted yeah art is fun like yeah yeah the way I think about memory too like that's what I make a lot of my work about is like I think that all of our experiences are just a collage of memories so what you see and what I see and what everyone else sees is going to be so different based on how we view 
color based mm-hmm. on how they view saturation or certain shapes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I really like that part of it. So cool. <laughs> and you said mix. You got into mixed media. For those of us that are not hip to mixed media mean. So just using a lot of different techniques or a lot of different materials to create something. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I wish I brought one downstairs. I'll take a picture and send one to you. But a lot of what I post now, too, I'll take my photographs and then I print them out on another piece of paper, almost like they are It's kind of like a very wonky screen print. So I'll take a photo and print it out on a paper that doesn't dry and then peel it and, like, um it kind of, it transfers itself onto another piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a screen print, but done very poorly, but the process is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it just, it kind of peels back the ink of the original image. So you're just left with imprints of that image. Oh, that's so cool. I don't know where my phone is. Here it goes. I'll show you and then, and then we could uh, maybe show everyone somehow. Yes. But these are... <laughs> you can figure that out. These... <laughs> Like that. Oh, that's so pretty. I love the colors. Thank you. Yeah. So this um, is an example of mixed media. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's... Oh, I love that. Thank I'm obsessed you. with this color. There's kind of like a palette of blush, coral, fuses into gold. Mm-hmm. And those are my, the colors that I'm... Yeah. I'll send you that right. <laughs> yeah. I'll send you that right now. Yeah. It's, um, so I'm always just trying to get after um, memory and experience and how... It's kind of always this emerging and disappearing, emerging and disappearing kind of thing. And is this something that has always been within you? Is this something you learned in art school? Where does that come from? Yeah, so I, this was before art school, so I um, live with chronic aura migraines. Mm -hmm. So I, for, I think I had my first migraine in eighth grade. It must have been like 12 or 13. 13? How old are you in eighth grade? Maybe 13. Right? class and I my head was I mean like the pain is unbelievable and like my whole entire body just got numb and I just started seeing color tunnel vision and fainted on the floor wow yeah and so since that moment I've had aura migraines for a very long time 29 now so a while they're not as intense now but I used to have to skip work skip school um, sometimes they'd come when I was driving, so I'd have to pull over and just like rest or try and sleep, uh, for however long until I could drive again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was really intrigued by how I could see color and see just these different shapes emerging and disappearing in my mind, even though my eyes were closed. Um, so it's like through the darkness, the light was still emerging mm-hmm. and kind of mm-hmm. shifting and changing. Uh, so that's how I was inspired to make all the work that I make now. Wow. Yeah, so turning pain into something uh, beautiful, I guess. So that's <laughs> what an aura migraine is. It's um, it it's like color that comes through as you close your eyes. And do you always faint? I don't faint anymore. Okay. That was when I was younger and even through some of college too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the aura, sometimes it's just like, uh, and for a lot of people it's like bright white light or it could be like peripheral. A lot. It, it'll start with you know, your eyes open. Mm-hmm. And I would always try to find like a dark space when you have a migraine. It's like no noise, no, yeah. like even a scent would just make me puke. Like everything was so bad. Mm-hmm. So I would always try to find a dark room and I'll never forget. One time I had a bad migraine. I was living with my dad. I was like 18 and I had a bad one. And I was like, I'm going to go lay down, like close the lights, everything he knew. He's like, okay, everything's quiet. And 
what I thought was like three minutes. Like I was just laying in bed, what felt like I was watching like a movie of color and lights and shapes. And I was just so immersed. And I remember my dad like opened the door and I thought it was only a few minutes. And he's like, are you doing okay? And I was like, yeah, like what time is it? Like I'm, that was only like a couple minutes and it was like five hours later or something. It was like, you lose total track of time because you're Mm -hmm. so like wrapped up in the pain, but then also like in the other layers of what was going on, I was kind of like just immersed in this kind of like shadow color play situation that felt like two minutes. So it's like the distortion of time really inspired my art as well as like color and shape and this like emerging and disappearing which like yoga nidra and yoga like all these other practices have have just like intertwined oh this is so cool (laughs) and I love this idea of something that for a lot of people I think is such a negative experience that it reminds me of this there's a TED talk and I can't remember this Mm -hmm. woman's name where she's she's describing her experience of having a stroke oh yes I've watched it yes I'll have to look at the show notes yeah I'll have to find this because it's to me that experience is like, and I think this was, um, you know, way back in time, people that had these types of really intense physical experiences were considered like um, divine and that was a doorway to divinity and your connection. And it sounds like that's what you're describing is your connection to divinity or source mm-hmm. or something else that is inspiring your creative mm-hmm. life that art and your yoga yeah can we talk about yoga now yeah but I feel like that's a good second Same thread into well I think I want to start with nidra mm. um I feel like it's nidra is one of those things that is you know, yoga is so popular right now in the West, and I think it's just going to keep continue to be more and more popular. But nidra, yoga nidra, is kind of this new facet or piece or practice that is being tacked onto our yoga asana, mm-hmm. asana meaning posture. Um, and it's a little bit harder to find, so I think it's worth time. I, I think it's worth spending some time describing. Yeah. And... You know, what is it? If you haven't experienced it, where can you find it? Mm-hmm. Atlee teaches it. <laughs> I do. Um, and and so, yeah, and I think you have some, on, you have, like, everything's online right now. Everything's online right so, now. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything's online. Um, yeah, so Yogi Nidra um, is, honestly, for me, it's been one of the most transformative practices. Um It is, so it directly translates to yogic sleep, although it's not about falling asleep. It's about deep relaxation. And it is where, so it's a lying down body scan meditation where you're really hovering between wakefulness and sleep so that you can tap into the subconscious and unconscious portals of the mind. And in that place, you plant a rooted, like deep-seated intention. So beyond any layer of doubt, you can really tune into your heart's deepest desire and really access pure rest. So it's pretty special. Mm-hmm. Um, And we can access pure rest when we move through the physical tensions in the body, the emotional layers of tension, and the mental tensions. So it really hits all the different layers, traveling external to internal. Mm -hmm. So 
someone who, again, is from New York and was such like a hustler, like vinyasa, ashtanga, working three jobs, 24-7, was constantly like, what's next? I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping. <laughs> like, let's go. Um, I found Yoga Nidra through my teacher, Michelle Lowe, and, you know, Rod Stryker and Richard Freeman, like mm-hmm. her teachers too. And um, I just remember my first class and I was so, like, I was so shocked by how I felt after. Mm-hmm. I felt both fully rested, but also totally inspired by just like the the colors and the shapes and just like how it felt to have my body relaxing. Mm-hmm. Like I realized how much I don't experience rest because sleep doesn't equal rest. A lot of the times we're focusing on our dreams or we're the mind chatter and all that um, stuff that's vying for your attention. But when you actually allow the time to rest, you also allow yourself to receive. So parasympathetic nervous system, we activate that rest and digest response in the body, hits every cell. So we really do a lot more, I think, when we actually slow down and rest instead of that constant push or action. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. So, um, oh, there's so many directions. <laughs> so I'll start with Sankalpa because you, mm. you touched on it. And I've, I've tried to, so I've had a few different workshops trying to um, work with this idea of Sankalpa. And Sankalpa is planting that, that so Ali just talked about mm-hmm. going deep into the heart and accessing the seed of intention without any doubt, which is the idea of Sankalpa. Mm. It means, it means... Basically, it means like, well, there's a lot of different ways that you can define the word Sankalpa. It's two Sanskrit words, but I think of it as like, um, why am I drawing a blank on this? I've taught it so much. <laughs> and I Kalpa comes from the root of Kala, which means like time or law. So timeless. And San, I think, is truth, isn't it? I think so. I think it's truth. I will look at my yeah, yeah. I'm like... <laughs> Like on the spot now, so I'm like, I know. Right? I don't have my notes in front of me. Me neither. that you you put it beautifully that when you're able to peel away all those external factors, the physical body, the the conscious mind, the ego, the memory, and tap into the heart space, that a, an intention, a deep seated intention, will come forth. Um, and that with attended to with consistency over time will yield a great reward. And um, actually, one thing that's specific to Sankalpa, this type of intention, is that you that it is meant to be practiced. And this is what I've learned. I'm curious mm-hmm. to hear what yeah. you've learned. Um, that it is meant to be practiced for a particular period of time. Like, for example, if you have a Sankalpa, and it might be just a saying, it might be like a sentence or two, that I will wake up every day and um, live my best life by eating really good, healthy food and going for an hour-long walk. Maybe that's my son Kalpa. So I, I decide that, you know, like for six to eight months, that's what I'm going to tell myself every day, and that's actually what I'm going to do every day. And this is son Kalpa in practice. So what would you add to that? Yeah, so <laughs> no, I, I love that. And it's true. So, of course, consistency builds and rebuilds uh, patterns and our habits, right? So, and when you plant the Sankalpa in your practice, it's in the subconscious and unconscious portals of the mind, right? So that helps to build that mental strength. So then when you're in deep rest, it starts to like 
starts to awaken those parts of your body and mind. So that way, when you're moving into the external world, your inner world's in alignment now. Mm -hmm. So then your actions start to reflect that more because you're building that strength here, Mm -hmm. deeply in the heart and in the mind. So yes to consistency. I worked with a Sankalpa for a long time that I'm still working with Mm -hmm. um, about um, living as an artist and a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. And for me, who I was always out of alignment with work, I was always taking jobs that just didn't serve me um, because I thought I had to. Um, You know, it's like, it's never the... um, it's never how you think it's going to look, but it's always like the energy you want to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I think that for me, it's it's more about like the, the energy you want to embody, whether it's like abundance or health or love or healing, um, instead of just like a direct goal. And maybe it mm-hmm. is, but for me, yeah. I think it's always more about like an energetic alignment. I love that. Yeah, that's important to remember. What are you asking for? Why are you asking for it? Yeah. And how does it make you feel that whatever's because you always have to peel back the layers, right? Like mm-hmm. if your son called was like, oh I want to make a million dollars. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah, exactly. Like what is that gonna bring you? Yeah, exactly. Like you're still in a layer there. It's like yeah. Psh, like what's beneath that? And um, I have a a yoga uh, nidra sankalpa and journaling class on my website too. Um, And it's so good because we go through like a meditation to uncover what that sankalpa is. Um, So we do a little journaling, a little meditation, a little movement, and then the nidra. So that you have a little bit more time to explore what your sankalpa might be instead of just being in the moment. I remember when I first did it and I was like, oh, what is my sankalpa? I don't know. Oh, I wish I had more time because then already you're moving on into the rest of the major, but I was still caught up in like figuring out what my sankalpa was. Mm-hmm. So for me and like over analytical, you know, thought process, I, I like having a little bit of time before I practice to connect to my heart's deepest desire. And if it doesn't come to you, that's fine too. You just let it kind of float into your awareness. Mm-hmm. Might be when you're taking a shower. <laughs> it might be during that practice. It just... It comes in when you let go a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> like the most inconvenient time when you yeah. don't have a paper and pen. Yeah, you don't have a pen, you don't have your phone, you're like, to. <laughs> damn it. Okay, Please remember. <laughs> That's so true. I love that you have that class. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. So how do you... Um, help people work with Sankalpa or discover. Oh. So you have a class. For so that. I have a class and right now too. So I just started uh, the first week was last week. Mm-hmm. I just started to do a seven week course about yoga nature and creativity. So blending my two passions in one um, and we're discovering and working through our stagnancy, our blocks, getting creative um, and then, of course, with Yoga Nidra and Sankalpa and how we could work with that consistently over time. So we do a lot of meditation, a lot of drawing, even if you're not, I don't draw, like I just, it's just, it could be colors, shapes, words, everyone is an artist, like whether you consider yourself one or not, creativity is, is innate in all of us. So just allowing yourself to rediscover that part of yourself before you were told to like focus on your career when you were young and like put put that away like don't do that yeah um so it's been really magical so far so I will do that again definitely like twice a year um and then I teach yoga nidra every two weeks on Mondays Mm -hmm. and then I have one class up on my website if people just want to practice on their own Mm, oh so anytime they can just (laughs) yeah they can just purchase it and then once you purchase it it's yours forever you just download it yeah give yourself the gift yeah one million percent and then the one other thing about sankalpa is that 
in my experience, there are many different yoga nidras where you don't have sankalpa at all. If it's something that is intimidating to you, you're not ready to work with, you just want deep-seated relaxation, you can have a nidra practice without it. Yep. Um, yeah, I was going to say, is that true for you? But you just said yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think so too. And if somebody's mm-hmm. teaching you one where they say connect to your sankalpa and, like, you don't want to or you're just wanting relaxation... Just keep breathing and keep resting. It's not something that you should feel pressured or where you have to like exert effort to do. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah, that would be the antithesis. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And speaking of relaxation, I think Mm. it's important. So, yoga nidra, in my experience, this is how I explain it. Um, It's basically like lying down on your back in shavasana for a long guided meditation. And because you're there for maybe 20 minutes for a short, Short, that would be a short nidra, in yeah. my opinion. Mine are always like 45 to an hour. See? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So short, 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 Can 20 minutes. Yeah. Can <laughs> you see this? This is amazing like cushion. Full on, like, day bed cushion with like three blankets. You always want to support your head. Yes. Because if your head isn't supported, it's going to like call you out the whole time. And then that's where you're going to be for an hour. Yeah. In the back of your head going out. Yeah. Ow, ow. You don't want that. Yeah, so Ali's got a great setup here, but you know, piles of blankets. You can even do your bed. bed. Yeah, your bed, your couch, wherever. All the blankets, all the pillows. But the point is, is that it's a supported practice. So you Mm -hmm. don't don't feel like you have to lie down on a hard floor and don't be a martyr about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're good. (laughs) So talk to me. Let's go. Let's go towards asana. Um, Your style of teaching. Um, where you draw inspiration from? I'm gonna stop there because I could keep asking you. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, let's see. So that's a really good question. So I used to teach. So I have my 200 hour, my 300 hour um, from Michelle Lowe at the Yoga Space in Portland, who uh, is rooted in Ashtanga, the Ashtanga lineage. Um, so my practice and my teachings always used to stem from that, Mm -hmm. but then I, I was missing like the creativity of getting out of like that, the structure of like a primary series, even though I would just use it as like a foundation and kind of branch from that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I rarely teach like a vinyasa class anymore. I mostly teach morning flows or flow and restore. So instead of building up to a peak pose, it's a little more, uh, my style, which is, I'm not really a planner, so I'm more like, and of course I plan classes sometimes, but I'm more intuitive. So I like to like show up to my mat and say, hmm, how am I feeling today? How how can I read the energy even just through Zoom? Like how how are people feeling? Even even that, it's like I like to gain inspiration from just little movements in the body. Like sometimes it's all about the arms or shaking, or it does, it's not always yoga asana. Mm-hmm. It's always like a blend of, of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think uh, when I used to teach vinyasa and I used to love it, but always trying to plan to a peak pose would make me nervous mm-hmm. because I was like, well, I don't know if I could fit in everything that like to warm up everyone. And, and I'm not <laughs> a planner. So I would be like before teaching and, and then it would be fine. But like the buildup to maybe not get everything in was like, I don't know. I'm more of a, like a, I'm more of an intuitive flow person. Mm -hmm. So when I can show up and just focus on, you know, more movement, more meditation, um, yeah, less of, I like building more to peak, uh, what do you call it? 
peak transitions or like a peak flow instead of a peak pose, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So more yeah. like ladder flows or it's not always going to be like, here, I'm going to teach you how to do crow. It's like, no, we're going to link some poses with breath. More about that. So less about what the pose feel like, or less about what the pose looks like, more about how it feels. Yeah. Is where I'm at. Yeah. So. I say that all the time. <laughs> I think I said that this morning. <laughs> yeah. Literally, all the time. I'm like, who cares what it looks like? Like, just be in your body. Yeah. And, you know, Which is all wobbles welcome all the time. Yeah. And that's why we do this practice, so that we can be firmly seated in our bodies mm -hmm. In, in my mind, it's a preparation for meditation, for not just being on your mat, but stepping off of your mat and going out into the world and being able to be your best self with the people that you love, with the people that drive you crazy. Yeah, that's the trick. That's the test. And sometimes those are one of the same <laughs> yeah. person. Pretty standard. Yeah, that's always a really good bellwether for how your practice is going, is mm -hmm. how you show up in moments of extreme stimuli, mm -hmm. whether or good or bad. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's cool. Definitely. That. And asana was always just that way, like a preparation for meditation, mm -hmm. right? So... Yeah. I always think that's an important piece is to have both. Yeah, well, for sure. Otherwise, we're doing all this work and then we're missing out on the, the, rest. the benefit yeah. of the practice is yeah. to be able to sit in meditation. Mm -hmm. That's where the real, I feel like that's where the real juice is. Same. I'm a tourist too, so I'm like, if I could just nap and rest all day, that's, that's my sweet spot. Oh, that sounds really nice. <laughs> yeah. Especially country. down here. <laughs> She can smell it. What is, what's in our diffuser? It's like a zen blend. Oh. Yeah, I don't really know, but I'll show you later. It's very zen smelling. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> what are you reading right now? What's inspiring you in terms of what you're reading? I'm seeing these books mm -hmm. all over the place. So in the background, yeah. there's a bookshelf behind me yeah. to the other side of me. This book, I've clearly read. And if you can see, you can see all my post-its. This is like, I don't know maybe eight years old at this point, and I keep it on my nightstand or down here. It's called Zen and the Art of Happiness. Chris Prentice, Prentice, mm -hmm. I I always have a lot of Mark Nepo books too for inspiration. The one that um, I gave you to borrow is my favorite. I can't remember what it's is called. It something about where like the, the earth and sky meet or the yes. sun, something, it's amazing and I'm Mad that I can't remember the name of it right now. I should have brought it to you. Okay, oh, I will bring it to you. I'll, and come I'll take it. a picture. Um, oh, Zen and the Art of Happiness is always something I just love to to just flip through. Like I can open up a book, a page, and just read something and feel like instantly at peace. Mm -hmm. So when you ask me um, words of wisdom I live by, I always come back to this book because it's something that I do routinely go back to, and clearly for the past like eight years. Um, and it's always about how we can start within. Mm -hmm. So favorite quote, the true source of happiness is, is within each of us. And it's so simple, but it's so true because it starts here. And that's my course is called Seek Within, like teaching people that like there is an inner sanctuary here and how instead of searching for answers outside of ourselves, how can we have the tools on hand all the time to at least start to look inward a little bit more often. Yeah. Um, and then same with uh, this inward book by Young Pueblo. Have you ever heard of him? No, but I, I, was really, I immediately looked at this when I walked in there. Uh, and I was like, what is that? It is yeah, <laughs> like the most amazing book too. And this kind of goes along the same line as that last quote. 
Um, when chaos is all around you, the wisest choice is to create peace within you. Your peace shines outward and supports the creation of a new harmony. Mm. And it is. It's like you, you get that inner alignment and then it starts to ripple outward into the external. And you start to, people feel that light, right? Like they feel that from you and it starts to create little ripples out into the world. So I really just love starting with, it all starts here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such an important thing to bring up, to talk about, to kind of dissect, because it, at least for me, that's been the hardest lesson. Mm. It's something that I know intellectually. Sure. <laughs> and I'm always like, oh, but you know, you have to learn how to validate yourself. Mm-hmm. Intrinsic value has to start here. Mm-hmm. And yet, if I were to take a bird's eye view of myself throughout the day, I'm doing all of these things seeking extrinsic, extrin- extrinsic um validation yes right yes. so what are some you know i think this is a great tool like yeah. reading these poems yeah. having your practice but yeah. how does that practice show up in your life what does it look like for yeah you? a lot of the times and i'm sure i'm not alone in this is i'm so addicted to social media which i'm working i say i'm working towards but again on a much more real level like how much am i really um and that's like where the- <laughs> comparing myself to other people where I have to stop and just say like no I have to leave my phone out of the room and go do something else or focus on myself like for the longest time I I feel like this past year like 2020 such a hard year for everyone like truly trying to plan a wedding here too so <laughs> forget it um but um it's been a year of meeting myself what I feel like is for the first time. Because, like, even when I was younger, I would always just do what someone else was doing. Like, oh, their favorite color is yellow. That sounds cool. That's my favorite color. Like, something so simple, but it was always, like, what I thought someone else was doing was way better than what my thoughts were. Mm. So I'm slowly starting to to question more things. Like, oh, what do I think about that? What do I actually think about that? So that self-inquiry has been, I mean, just monumental I think in my growth of just being like hey what do I like what's actually serving me what isn't is this bringing me joy or do I feel like not good after scrolling mindlessly on somebody's account that I don't even know yeah so for me a lot of the tools are just simply noticing and becoming aware Mm -hmm. and then actually taking action to step back away from whatever that thing is yeah um, which is harder than it sounds. And it's super simple. It's just awareness. Yeah. It's just dropping into the moment instead of being all consumed. Um, yeah. Yeah. So something simple like just awareness is in my toolbox now. <laughs> yeah. That's that. No, you're right. I think that practice of being able to, here's the hardest part truly is the pause of, whoa, catching myself in this Mm-hmm. okay scrolling 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 through social media somebody else's account oh they're way prettier oh that outfit's cute oh my god they probably make a million bucks yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> catching yourself in that scroll and checking in with yourself how yeah. do you feel yeah like does that make me feel good yeah am i feeling really good at yeah myself? And, exactly. and like consciously making the choice to stop is the hardest part exactly. but it's just like meditation it's like when you are um it's okay when your mind runs off right like that's what our mind's job is to think 
so we can thank it and just continue, but it's always that coming back, coming back to the present moment, tethering your awareness back here. So even just in your daily life, like how can you bring that awareness in mm-hmm. more often? Mm-hmm. And we're not perfect, but you know, yeah, it's a practice. And the point is not <laughs> to be perfect either, exactly. right? The point is to to make a connection with yourself and to love yourself and have some compassion when you well, extend all the compassion to yourself, yeah. just like you do to your dog. Like that was another exactly. thing. I was like, talk to yourself how you talk to your puppy. Mm-hmm. You're perfect. You're beautiful. Oh my god, I love you so much. Your puppy makes a mess. You like your yeah, okay, like, clean okay. it up. No problem. Yeah. So that was a big lesson for me too. Even just over the past couple months, I'm like. How would it shift if you talk to yourself the way you talk to Tango? Mm-hmm. Mic drop. Yeah. Such a difference in yeah. my day. Yeah. Yeah. Silly, but it works. <laughs> no, it's not silly. That's so, it, it's accessible. It's something that, like, you really actually get to practice in your yeah. daily life right like, now. Everything's a teacher. And Tango is such a good reminder. Yeah. <laughs> we got him when he was like three, three months. months. Yeah. And now he's six. Ten months. Oh, ten months. Yeah. And this dog is. He's a puppy. He's a puppy. But he's what, like 75 pounds? He's 60 pounds, but he's big. Like, yeah, he's yeah. big though. Like he he's tall. Little tank. He's tall. He's very lanky. He's sweet. And you you rescued we him? We rescued him from Texas. Texas. They drove him. Um, we couldn't find any Oregon rescues because it was during last year and everybody was rescuing and adopting puppies because we were all home all the time. Mm-hmm. Lifesaver having a pet during COVID, mm-hmm. um, during the pandemic. Um, but yeah, we rescued him, and I just saw his face. He's a black lab mix. He's so sweet. And I was like, him, mine, take my money. I don't care. I didn't even think about that, you know, adopting out of state or rescuing out of state. I what was that process like? Did you, was it easy? It was It was really easy. I've been looking on Pet Finder, arguably, for a very long time. Okay. Um, and my fiance was very against having a dog, or at least we both love dogs, but he was like, well, we need a house, we need a yard. Mm-hmm. One month of having the house, I was like, it's time. Getting a dog. <laughs> Getting a dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, we both grew up with labs, and I saw him, and it was just like, like my heart stopped. I was like, I need him. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to not have that physical connection with, you know, normally when you rescue, it's like, whichever you kind of vibe off their energy or they fall asleep in your lap or they come right to you or there's like something that like pulls you towards them yeah. and even through a screen I was like his eyes I was like this dog is mine like this dog so we obviously didn't know what we were going to get um how he was going to be and he just melted in our arms and he goes skiing with us and he it, yeah he's a, he loves to hike he loves nature but he also is a 60 pound lap dog and loves to nap with me all the time it's the perfect balance. So somehow yeah. we just lucked out with our, our dream dog. <laughs> How does it go skiing? Do you put like so, oh, okay, 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 here we go. So I should I should be okay. So my fiance hikes up Mount Hood with his skis skinning and then skis down. So Tango is off leash and he's just chasing him on the skis and then they come back down. He doesn't summit with the dog because that would be dangerous. Like and there's a lot more like technical things. Yeah. But they go up a lot, they do a couple miles. Um, and then they ski down, and he just booking he's just down. running. Yep, yeah. he's just running. I'm picturing like little yeah. dogs. <laughs> that would be exciting. I mean, it's so crazier things than that, right? That would be crazy. Yeah, I see people skiing in Portland <laughs> during the <laughs> snowstorm. Yeah. Okay. Oh awesome. yeah, he's super out of the scene, but that's perfect. Yeah, it's a nice great. compliment to your family. It's really sweet. 
Well, I want to be mindful of your time. Mm. And you kind of already answered that question that I like to, to ask last, which is, what are some words of wisdom you love? But unless you want to amend or add to it at all. Mm. But I could ask a different last question. Mm. Words of wisdom. I mean, I mean, just encapsulating all of that mm-hmm. is just, just seek in. Don't yeah. look within more often. Yeah. You know. And there's Tango. There's Tango. <laughs> He's like, yeah, mom. <laughs> yeah. That was like the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He was like, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the audio picks that up. I know, that would be funny. It doesn't be cool. Cut it. Keep, keep, keep shouting. I know. We'll like he's singing a song. Yeah. I know. Um, okay. Well, I'll ask you one more question because I do love that. And I feel like you really, you really practice what you're preaching there. I can see it in all the things you're reading and sharing with people. So thank you. Yes. Then, okay. My last, last question is, this is a, it's a kind of like a, a quote from one of my favorite poets, Mary Oliver. Mm. You, mm-hmm. you know I love her. I, I know. <laughs> and uh, the question is, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm on, I'm on my way, and I'm, and I'm living it in a way now, which feels really special. And I just want to create a community to explore creativity, yoga nidra, movement, all of these healing practices. Uh, together, right? I just want to bring people together. It's all about creating community and, and sharing. Mm-hmm. So you are doing, doing it. We're, wow. we're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, doing it. <laughs> She's living her best life. <laughs> trying. Yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> and I'm taking away the try. I'm like, no, you're doing it. Yeah. Period. Exclamation point. That'd be a good song called that. Living it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Allie. Thank, and thank you. you for opening up your home to us and yes. sharing your beautiful art. Thank you. Yeah, this thank is you. special. <laughs> thank you. Okay, so. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you have any feedback, comments, questions, or even requests for future podcast topics, please feel free to reach out to me on social media handles, Facebook at Tessa Marie Tovar, Instagram, Yogi underscore Katniss, um, email address tessa.tovar, that's T-O-V as in Victor, A-R at iCloud.com. I love to hear from my students and I'm always happy to talk about this kind of thing for you. If you don't listen, I don't do this. And my goal is to spread the word about what yoga means on and off the mat, in particular, spreading the word outside of the studio. Thanks for tuning in and have a lovely day. Bye.